Hello, and welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. This is the seventh episode of our Take a Shot series, where we discuss some of the day's most burning music topics. Today, we're discussing the insane recent popularity of Kate Bush's song, Running Up That Hill. So let's get into it. Okay, so big elephant in the room. The song Running Up That Hill, parentheses, A Deal With God by Kate Bush is probably one of the biggest songs in the world right now. Um, If you haven't been hearing it on the radio, you've most likely been hearing it on TikTok or on Instagram reels or I don't know wherever you would hear music nowadays. I'm sure no one's put it on a mix CD for you yet. Um, But basically, we can tie the resurgence of this insanely popular song to the fourth season of Netflix's Stranger Things, which dropped earlier this month. Um, Sidebar, way too scary for me this season. I literally watched all of one episode of season four, and I was like, hard pass. This is very aggressive, and why did you turn into a show filled with horror and not just spookiness. I don't understand where we're going, but um, I live alone. So that's a big pass for me. Also, is it just me or is it annoying because all the kids are like basically adults now? And when I see them in high school, I'm just like, you don't belong here. You're not 15. But that could also just be me. Anyways, before I even had the chance to watch the first episode of Stranger Things, I was practically bombarded by hearing this Kate Bush song literally everywhere. And I was just kind of like, oh, interesting. I've never heard this song before in my life. Kate Bush, never heard of her. It's got kind of an 80s flair to it. I didn't really do any research. Um, I like the song, sure, but I wasn't like super drawn into it or anything. Um, But then when I did get around to watching the first episode of Stranger Things, and most people don't know this, the song actually plays in the very first episode. Apparently, there's a big iconic scene later on in this fourth season and to any Stranger Things fans who are listening and are like oh my god you only watched the first episode what are you talking about I told you it's too scary so we're not even going to get into it Um, but it plays in the first episode where the character Max who's played by Sadie Sink is walking through the halls with her headphones on she's kind of watching all the people in high school around her she's on her way to counselor's office or something Um, it's brief but I recognized it right away because I was like where have I been hearing this song before oh yeah literally everywhere else in my life uh, everywhere I go this song seems to be around so I was like ah it makes sense that it is now from this um the iconic scene that comes in with this song apparently is very good from what i have heard it is a it is a great uh scene in television history uh but i literally had a friend explain to me the entirety of what goes down in season four because i refuse to watch it uh to avoid the nightmares but anyways this song running up that hill came out in 1985 and it was a single off kate bush's album called hounds of love and kate bush has said that In essence, the song is about a man and a woman swapping bodies to see things from each other's point of view. But she's also gone on to say that she loves having this whole new audience who's never heard her music before, and they're now interpreting the song in a multitude of different ways. Um, For me, it's, it's just crazy to see how this spike in popularity has fueled her own success as a musician. So, for example, this is Kate Bush's first number one single since the release of her song Wuthering Heights, which came out in 1978. And back in 1985, when Running Up That Hill was released, it peaked at number three on the UK chart. It never even hit number one. She hit number one now, almost 40 years later. And she's also broken several world records by doing that. So 
some of the world records she's broken. Uh, longest time for a track to reach number one on the UK singles chart. The longest gap between two number one singles. And the oldest female artist to reach number one. Kate Bush is 63 years old and she's experiencing this success now, which is pretty crazy. Um, and in order to uh, to achieve this, she actually knocked the one and only Cher off of her top spot. Um, Cher previously had the oldest female artist uh, to reach number one record for her song Believe, which came out in 1998. And at the time, Cher was 52. Um, so it is pretty wild, honestly, in an industry dominated by a lot of young artists, a lot of TikTok artists, a lot of Gen Z people that a uh, 63 year old female artist ha is at the top of the charts. And I'm honestly here for it. Um, but reading all about this success, you know, four decades later got me thinking, is this the most successful resurgence of a single? Is it my favorite resurgence of a single? Is there anything else that had this kind of weight or gave us the same kind of experience? And upon reflecting, I was like, there's been a few other instances where this has happened, where a song comes into our lives that's I'm going to say super old and that's not meant to offend anybody who's listening who, you know, um, was born a little bit earlier on than myself. But songs that came out when we were not alive that then experienced this whole renaissance um, in, uh, let's say, you know, the 2010s and 2020s. So um, I did want to kind of just take a moment, if I if I may, and reflect on some of these um, some of these iconic song comebacks. So we're going to get into it. The first one that actually came to mind for me, um, because it's actually so recent is the song Starman by David Bowie. Um, and I've mentioned on the podcast before that David Bowie is one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, and it, I loved seeing them use uh, this song. Wow, I can't get a sentence out. I loved seeing them use this song in the marketing for Disney's movie Lightyear, which of course is based on Buzz Lightyear, the character that was made famous by Tim Allen in Toy Story. And uh, I remember seeing the teaser and hearing like almost um, kind of like a more distant, echoey, kind of more subtle version of this song, but it, it, it's still David Bowie singing it. And it's, it's featured in this trailer. Um, the original came out 50 years ago in 1972. And of course, the teaser for Buzz Buzz Lightyear or Lightyear uh, came out in 2022. I don't know if it's as much of a comeback per se, but I really like the idea of the children getting a taste of the one and only Bowie because I feel like they could really use it. And I feel like this generation would really uh, take well to what Bowie represented. You know, he represented change and evolution and freedom. And um, I do see a lot of that in the artists that are coming up now. So I'm hoping that it gets uh, maybe a little bit of a spike on the streaming services similar to Kate Bush. Um, I also thought a lot about Bohemian Rhapsody. So uh, obviously a song by Queen and uh, there's a movie of the same name. And when the biopic came out, this was in 2018, uh, Queen experienced a huge lift in the number of streams on Spotify, particularly for this song. The original was released in 1975 and it came off of Queen's iconic album, A Night at the Opera. And in 2019, again, right after the film, um, it became the first song released before the new millennium to reach one billion streams on Spotify. And honestly, I feel like we can all just safely say, if you don't know this song, honestly, goodbye. Like it has got to be at 1 billion streams, you would have to think that this is the most recognizable, iconic, uh, popular song of all time. And like, I was, when I was reading these figures, I was just like, oh my God, like, can you imagine being Brian May or Roger Taylor right now? And like 
just thinking back about the impact and the scope that you've had on the music scene, like it, it's wild to me. I mean, Queen is an incredible band. They still tour, obviously, with frontman Adam Lambert. And um, I just think what they do is amazing. And they're very well deserving of this title of, you know, the first song to hit one billion streams. I think that's incredible. Another one, which um, full disclosure, I did not know this song when it began its renaissance, but Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight by ABBA. Um, this was one that really came up a lot during the... I don't want to say the height of COVID. It was more like the depth of COVID when everyone was stuck in their homes, just watching TikToks all day, not knowing what the heck was going on with our jobs and our lives and the world, essentially. Um, but I remember seeing it come up and I was like, I recognize this, but I, I don't know any of the lyrics. What's going on? And it was because I had heard the hook originally in Madonna's song, Hung Up which obviously came out many years later, but I had always associated that kind of like main riff with Madonna and not ABBA. Like really all I knew from ABBA was anything that was in Mamma Mia and that was basically it. Um, but Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight came out in 1979 and then Madonna sampled it. She released Hung Up in 2005 and then Gen Z got a hold of it around the TikTok boom. So that was like 2020, 2021. I will say now having given the song a proper listen and hearing it all of the time and seeing my favorite bands cover it. Like I was just at the Arkell show, uh, the rally in Hamilton over the weekend, Hamilton, Ontario. And like, my God, like they played it and it was the best way to end a set, honestly. So I'm a fan. I'm totally into it. Another one where I am fully and 100% committed to this song is It's All Coming Back to Me Now by the one and only Celine Dion, another Canadian, or not another, but a true Canadian icon. Um, also one that uh, I, you know, I, I knew it, like I think I knew the main lyric, like I could, if you played it for me, I'd be like, oh, it's Celine, but I don't think I would necessarily know what was what what it was about or what she was trying to accomplish with the song whatever but um now after hearing it everywhere and uh seeing drag queens perform it at different drag shows i will say i have also performed it myself at uh, two separate karaoke events it was a big hit um but celine actually dropped this massive ballad in 1996 and it was off her album falling into you and in 2021 it really picked up traction after this tiktok trend blew up and it was of people just dramatic lip syncing to I suppose what would be like the the main kind of bridge like the height of the song um and it was like people were like makeshifting wind machines costume changes they would use like brooms as mic stands and they would just like emphatically give it everything that they had the part where she's like baby 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 like they just literally people went nuts and I saw everyone from like 50 year old guys to like you know, college girls to little kids doing this trend on TikTok, on Instagram. It literally was fun for everybody. Um, I saw a lot of leaf blowers come out, a lot of blow dryers for the wind machines, uh, costume changes where they'd be like people standing behind the person who was lip syncing and they'd be like taking off a layer for them that looks like it just came off by magic. It's honestly hilarious. Um, so entertaining. If you haven't seen any of these videos, just please Google it because they're so funny. And truly, it's a, it's a great ballad. It's a very powerful song. And I mean, you can't go wrong with Celine Dion voice honestly like she is the queen for a reason um now this last one that i thought of might just be me who considers it uh kind of a comeback or a renaissance however you want to describe it but we have to talk about shrek too we do it's just it, it, it we've reached that point in the podcast where i don't know if i've mentioned shrek on the podcast or how much i love shrek in general just the first two though we don't talk about three or four or whatever came after that but shrek one and shrek two 
are some of the most important pieces of cinema, in my opinion, particularly Shrek 2 because of this song. And that song is holding out for a hero. So if you're unfamiliar with Shrek 2, I will give you a brief synopsis. In Shrek 2, Shrek marries Fiona. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen the original. Oh my God. I was just like, oh yeah, we haven't talked about Shrek on the pod yet. And I just realized we did a whole episode on the Shrek album. So never mind. Forget that I said any of that. Back to the Shrek 2 synopsis. Shrek and Fiona, happily married. They get an invite to go back to the land of far, far away where Fiona's parents are to get their blessing for their marriage. And Shrek is like, I don't want to do that. Well, he's Scottish, so he's, I can't do a Scottish accent, but you can picture how Shrek sounds. Shrek doesn't want to do that because he's worried he's not going to be accepted because him and Fiona are now ogres because they didn't use the spell from the first one. If you haven't seen it, just go back and you know just go back and watch it if I'm not explaining it well enough um but basically when they're there he feels bad that he kind of made Fiona become an ogre and he's like oh I wonder you know if it'd be better if we were human and if I was sexy and all that so he takes this magic potion and Shrek becomes like a sexy human man and Fiona also becomes her normal human version of herself donkey becomes a horse it's all very fun um and then there's a there's like the part of the film where the fairy godmother who's played by the incomparable Jennifer Saunders. Oh my God. I hope that's her name. I wrote Jennifer Saunders, but now I'm questioning everything. Hold on. Quick Google. We're going to confirm Jennifer Saunders. Yeah, I was right. Jennifer Saunders. Let's let, let's hope or I'll just fix this in editing. She is trying to essentially distract at this, uh, this big fancy ball that uh, Fiona's parents are holding for her. And her son, Prince Charming, is trying to get Fiona to kiss him because if she kisses him and she's taken this love potion allegedly she will then fall in love with prince charming and then they'll live happily ever after and shrek will be alone and whatever die alone um so as this is happening like shrek is trying to get back to the castle to stop prince charming and then there's like this giant gingerbread man that they make and they like storm the castle donkey's a horse and puss in boots like sacrifices himself but like he's okay and then he like makes it just in time and while this is all happening jennifer saunders in this like gorgeous sequined red gown as the fairy godmother, is singing this raucous version of holding out for a hero. When I say the greatest piece of cinema, I mean it. Seriously, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it for just this scene or YouTube it. I honestly don't care as long as you see this scene. But this original song, um, it was actually from the film adaptation of Footloose. Anyone see that with Kevin Bacon? Classic. And it's sung by uh, Bonnie Tyler. came out in 1984. And of course, Shrek 2 came out 20 years later, 2004. Don't act like you don't remember when Shrek came out, okay? You probably know exactly where you are when you saw that film. Now, on that note, I will say I truly think it's incredible when songs like these have such longevity. Um, and I think it's amazing that we have the opportunity to introduce new audiences to what this music is, who these artists are, what these song, what, what these song lyrics mean, um, and kind of how it can affect people in different ways. It's it's beyond powerful. Um, and I love the fact that there's like, you know, kids, e even if you're on whatever side of the debate you're on with kids being on TikTok or watching TikTok or whatever it is, I think it's pretty incredible that these kids are getting exposure to these songs that are so much older than them because that's how you learn and that's how you discover music that you love and that's how you discover new I'm going to put air quotes around the world the word new artists because like for me I, I wouldn't have known who David Bowie was if it wasn't for my mom and dad you know showing me his music or or for like someone like Queen or Styx or any other kind of big classic rock band like they gave me the opportunity to 
discover that I actually did like this kind of music. It clearly influenced my music choices as I got older too. And I think it gave me a lot of respect for these musicians who were coming up in the seventies and eighties. Um, and even, you know, even beyond that, like artists who came out in the thirties, forties and fifties, right? We've got so much to learn. The world is so, the world of music, I should say is so massively big. So it is on us to kind of, uh, go back and bring some of these songs to the forefront. So, uh, the fact that someone's new favorite artist could be Kate Bush after they hear Running Up That Hill watching Stranger Things in 2022, I think that that's pretty incredible. And that's the note that I'm going to leave you guys on today. So if you like what you hear, remember to subscribe to the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will be talking again very, very soon.